We have a question for you. Do you ever feel like your lowest paying clients are sucking the energy out of you? If you immediately nodded your head up and down emphatically, we see you. Okay, we don't see you see you, but we absolutely feel your pain. What if we told you that the squeaky wheel no longer has to get the most oil and that you could put boundaries in place that make sure that your clients valued your time? And by value, we mean money. We want to tell you what we mean at our Creating a Service Suite for Success free workshop. During this one-hour masterclass, we are going to show you how diversifying your service options can empower your clients to feel in control while you achieve boundaries in your business. And here's how it's going to work. During this 60-minute masterclass, you will learn what a service suite is and how it can be integrated into your business, create a list of upsell opportunities that allows your clients to feel more in control of their investment and you more in control of your workload, and learn where to start establishing your fee structure so that you know you are being compensated appropriately for your business. It's all taking place March 5th at 2 p.m. Eastern, and you cannot afford to miss it, quite literally. Snag your seat through the link in the show notes. We cannot wait to see you there. Welcome to part two with Amber Frank Hughes the language of luxury. Last week, we went on a little bit longer than we anticipated. And that's exactly why this episode was split into two parts. If you didn't get a chance to listen to last week's episode, go on over and hit play before you listen to part two. If you've already listened, welcome back and thank you for being here. Hey, it's your travel industry best friends, Robin and Jen from Teak. We're obsessed with practically anything that touches your business and allows you to scale to the level of success that you've always dreamt of. With Robin's background in sales and marketing and Jennifer's experience as a management level HR professional, we grew a small itinerary creation company into a multi-million dollar travel agency. And now we aim to help others skip the hard stuff and get right to the big wins. We're probably each recording this holding a glass of wine. So pour one up with us, grab a seat, and join us to talk all things travel and business. For someone starting out, to me, I'm such, I geek out on podcasts, obviously, but oh my gosh, this was like eight years ago. I would binge on Rick Steves. He would do podcasts on all of these destinations around the world. He would focus primarily on Europe and it was the podcast was Rick Steves Europe. And I would just consume that content so much. I didn't have the resources yet to go to Italy for a work. I didn't have any revenue yet, but I knew I wanted to launch a business. I had filed the LLC, but I was like, okay, I'm still in the infancy stages. Mm-hmm. I would get on the phone with anyone that would talk about Italy with me. So like be hungry. I think that's the biggest differentiator between someone that's successful and not successful is like curiosity is at the root. I love that anecdote, Jennifer, because it's the other thing that I think a lot of people miss out on, especially in the online business space. Everybody looks like they've just got it together and can start a business. But I worked in real estate development for 10 years before I even started thinking about helping people from a capacity of, of knowing anything. This is not an overnight success. My agency is not successful because one day I just started, decided to start one. I had 10 years, 10,000 hours of mastery of my craft before I even started building my own brands. So you're right. It takes the research and then you show up to Italy on your work trip and you've got all that data in your back pocket, all that interesting you know, anecdotes and you have context to it. Now you get to experience it then you get to relay your experiences to your customer. Because if you're just regurgitating what other people are saying, that's not valuable either. I think there's a reason why 
physicians have class time and then they have their residency, Residency. right? Like they are applying that before they're ever allowed to put their name on a sign or, you know, put their name on a resume, frankly, to like be a hospitalist. Like Mm -hmm. you have to learn your craft, experience your craft and you you learn, then you learn by doing, and then you teach. And that's when you are like a master of your craft. And so I would even say like, demo your experience with, with a colleague and say like, can I do a mock trip with you? I think so many people don't want the fear of looking silly. I would rather look silly in front of a colleague than my first client that I could have made my paycheck on. I mean, that's such a great point too. I didn't even think about that. When I started the agency, y'all, I was doing work for free. So can I build you a website? Yeah. Can I build you a website? You got to get your reps in. Okay. So we're, we're getting into the language piece because this is where the entire credibility is built. When someone starts with an intake call or actually before that. Okay. Let's take it back to the first time they ever see something that your brand is associated with. It could be your website or it could not. It could be an article that you're affiliated with. It could be a social media post. It could be the copy on your website. To me, there is a very different feel when there is a luxury good being marketed Mm -hmm. and the language used. Not only that, let's take it like into the client process. And this is where I want to hear some anecdotes from you. When I'm talking to a client on an intake call, that's a luxury client. I'm not talking about price. I'm not talking about deals. I'm gauging their formality. I don't think that every luxury client is a formal client. Like that's a misnomer, right? Not everyone that has high net worth or ultra net worth they're not necessarily a pretentious person. They just might have a great wealth in the bank. So what can you say to someone who's like, I want to come off as credible from day one and I'm not from a luxury background. I'm not from a high net worth background, but I want to speak to a luxury client. I love that. And I mean, my brain goes so many ways, but I think the first thing is consistency and making sure, like you said, the website matches the tone on the social media post, matches the tone when you answer the phone, matches the tone when you talk to them on Zoom. Because if you have inconsistency, it creates cognitive dissonance in your customer and it actually erodes trust. And it's unconscious. That's the interesting thing, right? Like that's the psychological piece of this is that you don't know that you're starting to distrust something, but if they're not showing up consistently, if every time they show up, it's a different font, logo, spacing, coloration, it's like, who is this? Like, I can't stand behind this. Yeah. And you're right. It's unconscious. It just gives you an ick feeling, right? So I think that's a big thing. The other thing that I'd say too, and I think we'll talk about design coming up, but you know, they talk about language and how you're presenting yourself, but like they always say a picture is worth a thousand words and the video is worth a million. That's what we say. So leaning on high quality visuals and producing those for our clients is the number one thing that we think stands behind to support that copy. Because you can spin a really great story and put it on a blank canvas and it doesn't do anything to evoke emotion. 
I also think, you know, paring down the copy is good. Think about that example I gave of the the Gucci shelves versus the Nordstrom Rack jeans. Are you trying to tell everybody everything in the intro paragraph of your website? Or can you just make one statement and put it in its own shelf with its light on? So presenting things like in the hierarchy of what's important without having to go into everything in detail. In real estate, we have this saying when you're touring somebody through a home is that features tell, benefits sell. So what you should be focusing on or what the benefits are that your clients are going to have for working with you. You might say, this is the checklist of everything's included. Great. But tell them why the experience is going to be different. I've traveled everywhere. I've booked 10,000 trips. I have personal connections in every country in Europe. I will connect you with those people. What is the benefit of working with you, not the feature? So I think that's really important to highlight as well. And then another thing that I'd call out is that we're not usually talking about pricing and we're not selling against our competition. Like the best brands don't, they're in their own lane, right? And so that goes back to your conversation about going to a conference and like finding your spot in the hierarchy, the pyramid or whatever. There is a niche for you that your client needs you to be in. Mm -hmm. So you don't need to be talking about other competitors or comparing yourself to others. Like what you offer is, it needs to be special on its own. And that's what you should really lean into. Like our examples is like, obviously we have our industry knowledge and like medical aesthetics and real estate and yachting, but also we're known for doing edgier brands that are very mm-hmm. upscale. So it's not very traditional, like like a law firm, like a serif yeah. font, you know what I'm saying? Like it's edgier, it's more urban, it's speaking to a younger generation, but it's elevated. So like that's a very specific niche where people know what they're going to expect when they work with us for branding. I love that you said leaving space to breathe essentially on the website. Like we talk about that all the time. Like think about physical spaces. So you mentioned stores. If I were to go into a dollar store, it's going to be crowded, chaos, all the things. If I go into a luxury store, actually, I'm going to use sugar paper as a perfect example. Sugar paper started in California. Chelsea totally took a shot in the dark Mm -hmm. about getting a space. I think it was like near Rodeo, but she noticed like all of her ideal clients kept on going to this one coffee shop. And she's like, I need foot traffic. I'm going to rent a space near that coffee shop. She had like 30 cards maximum and they weren't even like packs. They were like individual cards just on the wall. Reese Witherspoon came in and was like, I love your beautiful cards ordered a custom lot and put her on the map. And now she's in Target. And But she curated a beautiful space, let it breathe. She thought it was practically empty, but it actually spoke to the luxury audience so much better because it allowed them to have this much more special, open, and like transparent experience. So I think if you equate it to physical spaces, you can start to see how like, I don't need a website that feels super busy. I don't need Mm -hmm. content on my social media that feels super busy. Like, let things stand on their own. And if you look at other brands that you admire, how Mm -hmm. they look, I assure you, it's going to have negative space, a lot of negative around it. 100%. Remember where your clients are spending their time. So if you have an ultra high net worth or high net worth client, they're spending their time already in a beautifully decorated home that's been curated and designed by a professional. They're shopping at stores that are designed and curated by professionals. So you need to match what their other experiences are in life. I love that. I just, I went like my brain just went into 30 different directions, but I'm not going <laughs> to let it. I'm not going to let it. Because the other thing that you mentioned was 
you've referenced niches multiple times in this. So like your clients are just like so steadfast in the niche that they're in. And you spoke specifically about yachts versus like you not knowing how to create a physical fashion item. I think it's really important too, when you're speaking to your client, that you can create copy and language that is so specifically targeting their pain points. Mm -hmm. You want them to look at your website and feel like you're reading their mind. 100%. How did she know that that's a pain point of mine? So, so you're a busy mom, blah, blah, blah. Like, but the, the copy and the words, sometimes they don't come naturally to us. When it's your own business, sometimes it's hard to articulate what you do. It actually takes yeah. a copywriter to be on the outside to say like, tell me about your business. This is my art. My art is copywriting. I am not a copywriter. I should not be responsible for creating <laughs> a website. Even though you think maybe when you land on my website, I wrote it because it's my company. That's that's just simply not the case. Mm-hmm. So can you talk a little bit about how do you recommend advisors or anyone in a profession? Like, do you stand behind someone articulating copy for you? Does that feel inauthentic? Like, what are your thoughts around copywriters creating that language for you? Yeah, I love that. I think, I mean, I'm a big fan of specialization. So I love to lean on copywriters to, like you said, take that outside perspective. But what we typically do, we even do this when we build brands for our clients is we'll build boilerplate copy. That is basically something that you can repurpose and copy and paste into different things, but you're saying the same messages. So I think something that people forget, they think they always need to say something new, but you're A, always reaching new eyeballs and B, people forget what they've seen. So you need to be repeating the same messages over and over. That's what makes people most successful when they have something that they're really known for and they kind of hammer it home over and over again, right? And then as it relates to outsiders, that made me think of something too, Jennifer, that I think is really important and overlooked, which is when you look at your client's network, so your client's friends, that's going to be the number one way that they figure out what's safe for them to do or what's a good investment. They're talking amongst their friends and family members about trips, about experiences, right? It's that surprise and delight element. Like, you know, the people that got the hot dog at dinner were sharing that story with everybody else there. So everybody's going to go back to that restaurant. So one of the most important things you can do, and it's not just getting a testimonial, it's about creating experiences for your clients that they can't help but share. And they become evangelical supporters of your business authentically because you did something that was so incredible that they have to tell their friends. Because again, going back to the psychology, they want to show off. They want to tell people about their status. They want to tell people about how much of a special experience they had and who facilitated that for them. So yeah, testimonials are really important. You need to make sure you get those from people of influence within the circles. And you can even say like, one of my friends who's a luxury real estate agent actually hired her for her first real estate job and she just crushes it now. And when she does testimonials, she just put the person's name because we don't know. She says, CEO of law firm or San Diego business owner ranked number five fastest growing private company. That's what matters. Like we don't need the name of the person because we don't have context to it. But like, who are your clients going to trust for advice outside of that? So 100%. And then, yeah, the power of words, I think, are really important as well, right? Like we talked about this earlier, like the shortcuts that we make in our brain to draw conclusions about a brand, for example, like I mentioned, like a law firm, you usually have like 
you know, Evenson and Evenson. It's like a traditional font. It says law firm. It's like very serious. Like you've got a vibe. And there's types of words that you can use, I think, that pack more value. We don't use very in our agency. Like we're not ever saying things are very good or very whatever. It's like there's a word out there that has more value, but there's also words that really craft an emotional response. Like if you say like, call my front desk assistant versus call my client coordinator or my concierge, or like click to learn more or click to discover or free consultation versus complimentary complimentary. call or whatever, complimentary induction. Yes. Call. Yeah. 100%. Or, you know, one of the big things, like this is the phrase I use all the time. I can't tell people, I'm so busy with meetings, I'm going to blow my brains out. I say, I'm fully committed for this week. I'll talk to you next week, right? Like you have to use the language in a way to articulate the value and exclusivity that also elevates the the language in a way. I think that that's really important to be on point with. This is my favorite section of this because I love when people can elevate how they speak to someone by saying the exact same thing. For example, Mm -hmm. pricing, investment. Mm -hmm. Like where can you have someone look at your sales pitch? Honestly, like everyone should be, they should write their sales pitch down. They should write their elevator speech down. However, they're going to articulate something to a client. They should be writing it down and evaluating how they can elevate it if they want to speak to a luxury audience. Yeah. So to me, like, Deals is never going to be mentioned. It was like, it was the very to you. Like it was, it's not allowed on any content that my travel agency had, but you can say how we add value or how Mm -hmm. we elevate your experience or give you a, I don't, I don't always love VIP. I think it has kind of like a kitschy vibe to it, but I do like exclusive and bespoke, like all of these things, which some of them are buzzy and they're getting kind of tapped out. And I get that. But when you're speaking to someone who is wanting luxury, I think the biggest rule of thumb is how can you be more articulate, succinct, and eloquent? And that's the language that someone of luxury speaks. One of the things, and this is a big thing for me, I've been very lucky to tour some of the biggest and most prolific new developments in Florida and in New York. And that was probably five, seven years ago. I still have all the brochures. I literally have this drawer in our office that has every single piece of marketing material from a luxury building or a high net worth building. I'm talking like where they're selling penthouses for $53 million in New York. I save it, keep it reference back to it because it's wow. always good to refresh cool. and then go back and see like, how does the Four Seasons Boca Raton sell their private residences? They figured it out, guys. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. It's been done. Just go read what they've written. Oh my gosh. I love that because that parallel to travel is so important and there are so many resources. I'm immediately thinking of all the brands that do it well. My personal brand that I would affiliate with if I were to be like my personality in a hotel is Belmont all day long. I love Belmont. I love that they're approachable. They always kind of add in some kind of cool thing. I don't know if you know this about Belmonts. They don't ever build. They only refurbish historic properties. Oh, interesting. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. So any Belmont you go to is like- It's got good bones. Oh yeah. It's got a history to it. So- If you look at websites like that, like whoever is staying at a Belmont was my target audience because I'm like, I want them to be a little bit cool. I want them to have a luxury feel. I want them to have appreciate the essence of a destination. So like 
to me, I would go to Belmont and be like, let me consume all content. I'm not going to go to Cheval Blanc because Cheval Blanc isn't my vibe. I'm not going right. to do sandals because that wasn't my clientele. So yeah. I think it's really interesting. Like the product you want to sell, speak the language that those copywriters are speaking because they have it figured out to a science. They're using a third-party marketing firm yeah. anyway. They've yeah. done the psychology behind it. You don't have to. Yeah. And when it comes to selling, I think there are a lot of people that are like, why aren't my clients coming to why aren't my ideal clients coming to me? Well, are you are you showing up and speaking to them? Are you showing the things they're interested in? And you can't just post on social media and pray. I call it like post and pray. You just can't yeah. post and pray and think you're showing up on their feed because I assure you, busy people are not staring at their phone all day long. 100%. And that, that's so, okay, this is my number one thing. Have you ever wished that you knew exactly what you should be charging for a planning fee? Not subjectively, but objectively knowing what your business needs to make it all work. Do you wish that you were taking home a consistent and forecastable paycheck? Do you feel like your sales pitch just kind of fell together but was never really curated intentionally? If so, you're not alone. In fact, we'd argue that you're probably in the majority. And we feel that way because we've been there. And we had the same questions and wishes until we did something about it. We created spreadsheets that calculated our expenses, converted that overhead number into a goal, and in turn told us what we needed to earn in order to make our income dreams come true. We also felt like every sales workshop in the industry had a lot of hype and very few immediate action items. So we did something about that too. We created our signature program, Seven Figure Sales. Seven Figure Sales is being re-released for one week only. Mark your calendar for March 6th through 13th so that you can grab the opportunity to get this multi-module program that can help you master your approach to financial goals and sales. To kick off the release, we are offering a Creating a Service Suite for Success free workshop on March 5th at 2 p.m. Eastern. This training will have your mind reeling. We'll also give you a sneak peek as to what is inside our seven-figure sales program. The link to register for our free workshop is in the show notes. We make brands for businesses, right? And I can't tell you how many times people have come to me saying, I need a rebrand or I need to do this. My business isn't working. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, it's not the brand that's going to change your business. People like the pretty, the veneer on top they think is going to change people's perceptions. But if the guts of your business don't make sense or the services aren't perfected, you can't add value. That's where you got to look, right? You've got to go a little bit deeper. And so there's been a lot of people that I've turned away that have come to us for consultation calls. And I'm like, you know, we offer a service for strategy. It can help you build a business strategy, totally different than branding. Like your yeah. branding is not going to change the structure of your business and that also the structure of your personality or who you are as a person, what you're interested in. So I think that aligns. Okay. So this is something that I think is really interesting because we see a lot of like collaborations when it comes to brands, right? Like retail collaborations. And there are some luxury brands that do like more approachable collaborations. And then there are these exclusive releases. Stanley with the Target. Oh my God. Right, right. That's wild. People just like fighting each other for these candy colored cups that <laughs> were made for camping. Like it's just, it's baffling. So in that same vein of thought, how does this apply to someone seeking exclusivity unique experiences when it comes to yeah. travel or just like in relation to their brand? What would you say about 
just limited editions, collaborations, and new experiences. From a general standpoint, my motto has always been, and I one time heard this in a spin class and I was like, you know, crying in the back, like, yes, I agree, which is we can go farther together than we can alone. And collaborations and building out a network of people that you can do business with to mutually benefit each other is huge. So especially in the travel space, it's like, where do you really have deep connections or deep relationships and collaborations where you can offer something, you know, or come together with two minds to really make a special experience for the clients? I mean, it's different because I think when we think about collaborations or limited editions, for me, I don't know about for you, but my brain goes to like products, but it's like in services, what does that look like? And I think that you have to be careful with this because if you're always running a promotion, your business is dead in the water, okay? You need to have these campaigns sit on top of solid business strategy and they need to be actually special. Use a curated eye when deciding what to move forward with. It's the same thing like in the luxury market. You don't put every piece of furniture in the house. You pick the right ones that make the most impact. So when you're thinking about collaborations, I think that's really important, but also just from a special edition or I would say like limited edition type of a thing, we love to talk about scarcity in marketing, right? Having less spots available makes it more desirable if you have a product that people want. For us, just by the nature of the size of our agency right now, our team and the way that we like to work, I'm the creative director on all of our projects. So if I was to do 10 branding projects at a time, I would do a bad job on all of them. So we're boutique, meaning we only work on a couple of projects at a time. Like one branding project starts every two weeks, basically. And so we stagger them. So we're always at a different stage with them. But I can't be making unique stuff for everybody and putting my heart into it if I'm trying to do it all at once. So for us, we are able to say, you know, we only have so much availability to onboard new social media clients or new branding clients. Here's what we're of where we are available. If you want to work with us right now, we're booking out for the end of March. So you better sign up now and get your contract in place so that when it's time to start, you're ready to go. We're ready to go. So I think, you know, structuring your business, especially because, and I've been in this trap as a a small business owner, you're like, anybody that wants to pay me, I'll do it, right? Like Mm -hmm. anybody that's showing up, I'll bend around you. But that actually kind of devalues your brand and your value. So when I think about limited edition stuff or scarcity, it's kind of like what really adds value? Well, for our clients, they really want a special, unique brand and a ton of attention. Like we are white glove. We are concierge for our clients. Like all they need to do is show up to like three meetings, eat their popcorn as I present and like storytell at them and get them stoked. That's what the experience is like for them. So really being special and intentional only building campaigns on top of a solid business strategy and not doing it all the time, I think are really important. I do really appreciate that because the thing is, travel advisors tend to think like more is more when it comes to clients a lot of the time. And I'm not, I'm not saying everyone because every, every business is different. But what I do see is that travel advisors continue to bring on more and more clients. I think it would be a very interesting model. And I do know a few people that do this to say like, I'm capped at 12 or I'm only taking on two clients per month and I'm now releasing my availability. And it becomes part of your newsletter campaign and you're communicating this consistently. You put it on social, you put it in your newsletter, which like I think a newsletter is so much more powerful than social anyway. To me, like my inbox is sacred. So showing up there feels very vulnerable. And if I allow you and I don't unsubscribe, we are friends. I mean, 
creating a network of loyal people that want your information is super important. And then creating that scarcity and communicating it to your audience so they don't just think that more is more is more and you are always available. I think the antithesis of luxury is availability. Right. I couldn't agree more. It's like, you know, trying to get a reservation at Carbone. It's not available for everybody, okay? It's desirable. It's hard to get in. You want to go to Delilah in Las Vegas? Good freaking luck not getting something at five o'clock. You need to be positioned as something that is special. And if Delilah's was open for everybody, they might as well just be in the food court. I think of the hotel we were talking about in Provence. Well, on the the French Riviera, like, yeah, good luck getting in. They've got a three night minimum and not everyone, like a lot of people want one night. Well, you can't do one night because they don't want anyone that can afford one night in there. They want to create an exclusive clientele that is kind of protected from the outside world. And I think that really, it maintains the integrity of their brand. We're getting to the end of this. And I would love for you to share some examples of successful luxury businesses that do effectively communicate the value add that they provide in the luxury space. I mean, just to recap, right? We're talking about customers paying a premium for something because it serves a psychological need on top of being better quality, better materials, better service, better process, whatever. And luxury is typically defined by like, timelessness or story, scarcity, the things that it signals to other social cachet, right? So when we talk about quality, like who's doing it well? I mean, Rolex, duh. Number one, they have no availability. If you walk into a Rolex store anywhere in the world, they will have watches on displays. You cannot buy a watch that day. And other companies are positioning like, here's this value add, right? Rolex is the most exclusive. They control their supply so tightly. They make it so exclusive. You're on a list. If you want a Daytona, good luck. You're going to be waiting 10 years or you're just going to buy it on the black market or the gray market, right? So they do same thing with Hermes, right? You get a quota bag. You get two quota bags a year, but you have to have pre-spend of up to like one, two, three, four times the value of the bag to even be offered the bag. You need to have this exclusivity. So you know, you asked her like luxury businesses or successful businesses that are doing this well. I mean, do I love that model? Not really. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. But like, you know, they're doing it. They're doing something. That's all about exclusive. working for them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Quality. I think you really look at like car manufacturers, right? Like BMW, it's the ultimate driving machine or Porsche. When you go into a Porsche showroom, they have racing cars from the sixties, the seventies, eighties. They have legacy there. So they're telling the story and getting you involved in the brand from an emotional standpoint, from a storytelling standpoint, so that you're part of this tribe. So I think there's a lot of car companies that do that really well. It's Porsche, I think, does it the most with like when you buy a car, you're getting a hat, you're getting a duffel, you're getting a this, you're getting that, whatever. They're like, here's our brand, wear it, be it, do it. Like it's so involved, right? Yeah. Literally like become the Porsche. <laughs> um, and then, you know, on social cachet, I think what's really interesting is it's become more and more generally known now, especially with Miss Swift going throughout the world and being a part of these more private social clubs like Zero Bond or Soho House. And creating this social cachet, which, you know, some people think Soho House is over and done, but, you know, how do you get into Zero Bond? How do you get into these supper clubs where Jennifer Aniston eats on a Tuesday in LA? It's like these social 
constructs where there's in-group, out-group. There's a restaurant group in San Diego called Consortium Group. They do some of the best restaurants. They just redid the Lafayette Hotel, Born and Raised Steakhouse, and they have a social club called the Reading Club, Reading Room, Reading Club, at the top of the Intercontinental Hotel in San Diego. And last time we were eating dinner in the restaurant, the mayor walked out of the club. And it's so like, it's the who's who. And so I think that the thing that all of these businesses have in common is they stick to their guns. Rolex is not making an exception. Hermes is not making an exception. You cannot just dine at zero bond because you feel like it. These brands and businesses have built a solid strategy around how they're going to operate and they do not deviate from their strategy, period, full stop. That is additional reinforcement to giving advisors permission to have boundaries in their business. Mm -hmm. Luxury brands have boundaries, like just professionals have boundaries in their business. And anytime you break that promise to yourself in order to accommodate a client because you think, oh, well, they're a high net worth client. I I really want to work with them. You're giving them permission to treat you as leisurely as you just treated your own business. And I think that's the fastest way to break down your professionalism to someone else is to, to minimize it publicly and be like, oh, I will skirt the process. You don't have to fill out that form. You don't need to sign something like there's, Mm -hmm. there are processes for a reason and they protect us and they also create whether they're real, they really like legally protect us or not, whether they're real, you put them in place so that you are protected. And that's really interesting that these brands are showcasing that in a very different way. But it's just kind of like, to me, echoing everything we say to our clients, which is like boundaries breed professionalism. Like it is okay to define processes because they only make you more credible. And let me not feel like, I don't want anybody to think that like I'm standing on a high horse of like I run my business perfectly. I make mistakes like this all the time. I still get blind to like, that would be an amazing client to work with or like, what are the opportunities or, you know, and it just always, I learn the lesson over and over again because, you know, we all grew up with the book. If you give a mouse a cookie, they're going to talk them out, you know, like if you bend on one thing, they're going to further bend your boundaries on everything else. So I totally agree. And I think that when I was starting a business, people were like, are you writing a business plan? And I was like, I guess so. And I didn't write a business plan. You don't need to write a business plan unless you're going to a bank to get a loan, right? That's not needed anymore. But what is needed is a manifesto. What is needed is the philosophy you have on service. What is needed is direction. And we use ClickUp for all of our project management. And within ClickUp, we have all of these pieces of documentation, not just for our company, but for the podcast, for all of our clients in like a Wikipedia. So it's like we have AF Marketing Wiki and it has in there everything, every philosophy, every idea, the expectations, the ways that you could surprise and delight, the every way to think about things. And that's our North Star. That's our boundary. You've mentioned surprise and delight budget, which I love. Do you consider that just gifting? How does that take shape for you? Because I'm not always pro-gifting. And the reason for that is I don't think that every business has created the budget for gifting unless you intimately know and take the time to know your client. Mm -hmm. Gifts can fall flat and then you've spent money on the gift itself, the shipping, like sending a bottle of wine to a hotel room. I probably bought a bottle of wine at dinner. I don't need to drink the bottle in the room and then it's going to go to waste. So what's your philosophy on client gifting and ways to make them feel different and special rather than just like, oh, this is just part of their process? 
Yeah, I think that it's two things. So for us, we build client gifting into our process because we build deep relationships with our clients. And so we don't do like a holiday gift, but our business anniversary is also in December. So we do like cheers to the next year type of a thing. We've done everything from candles to this year I did. I gave everybody a bottle of Vouve and then a custom champagne stopper that had our logo engraved on top, right? So yeah, we do something every year to say thank you to our clients. And that's a part of our process. It doesn't mean that it's everybody must do it. But what has been really impactful is, for example, we just did this brand for a luxury apartment community in Long Beach, which is the first of its kind in this market, super upscale, but like also urban. And so when we're branding, especially for environments, for spaces, we're talking about the five senses. So we spec'd the scent, the music, the coffee beans, all the things. And so after we gave the brand presentation and it was all said and done, I created a package and sent it to the development team of here's the Le Labo candle we think your lobby should smell like. Here's the bottle opener with a craft beer from a local brewer. And the brand name was engraved on that piece of like a heavy metal with a leather strap. It was really intentionally right for the brand. And then here's a playlist that we curated for you on Spotify. And so like that Spotify playlist, that is a gift. Okay. That's free to do, but like, here's the soundtrack for your Italy vacation. That's surprise. That's a little extra and doesn't cost any money. And then, you know, I produce a podcast for one of my clients and we, they just did this huge set upgrade and I got them mic flags. Those are the little boxes that go on the back of the microphone with their brand name on it. And that is something that they'll have forever. It's now part of their set. It was super easy for me to execute. I mean, Stephanie from my team actually executed it. I just asked her to do so. But it's like, you know, it's one of those things like it doesn't have to be expensive, just has to be thoughtful. You are also a self-proclaimed fabulous gift giver. So my love language. It's my giving love language. I'm obsessed. I love to do it. But your one rule of thumb, this actually made me realize how bad of a listener I was, was just listen. It's not that hard to be a good gift giver if you actually listen. And I'm like, that's actually really accurate. (laughs) Just intentionally listen to what someone is saying their interests are. And if you're not just hearing to respond and you're actually listening to consume, it does become a lot easier to actually give something that resonates with them. I loved your like old money sign that your friend gave to you. Oh my God. It's so cute. It's actually like, I don't know if you can see it. It's like I can see it. Right behind me. Yeah. I love yeah. that. So um, yeah. And just as a tip too, for businesses, like I keep a notion note of just notes of that, of not just my clients, but people in my life. Like what does my boyfriend need for his birthday? Like just keep the notes and then the process becomes really easy. All right. Last question. The do's and don'ts of luxury marketing communication. What are your tenants, I would say, your pillars that you would say do and don't when speaking to a luxury audience? I think first and foremost, like the one do, like if this is the only do, have a solid offering, have a solid business strategy, have great service. If you focus on service first, that is the only thing that matters. doesn't matter how you package it. People will find you. They'll connect with you. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be luxury, but do have a solid offering before you start to luxury it up. Love it. Don't think about rebranding or repackaging a service so that it looks luxury thinking it's going to work. So I talked about this again, but I see a lot of people in a lot of networking groups and with small business owners. And they're like, I can't get clients. I can't figure this out. And I'm like, send me your offering deck. And it's like, 
44 pages and I can't figure out what the differences are between the packages. They're low priced. It's confusing. It's like, again, a solid offering, make it easy for me to buy from you and then execute on that. That's what you need to do. Don't think that rebranding is going to change your business. I think that's interesting too, because you're only going to frustrate your client if you're marketing yourself as a luxury service and then your service doesn't deliver on that. There's nothing more frustrating than someone feeling like they're investing with a promise of return and realizing that like (laughs) you haven't even built the foundation before you put the house on it, right? 100%. Thank you so much. We went over time, but we expected that. I could talk to you all day long. This isn't going to be a Joe Rogan three hour long conversation on luxury. Like, let's do it again. Thank you so much, Amber. Thank you for being here. If you have not listened, I highly encourage you head on over to the Old Money Podcast. We will put the link in the show notes so that you can consume all the content and binge all day long like I did. Thank you to our listeners for joining another TikToks episode. If you are loving our content, we love and appreciate your support and feedback. Head on over to the Apple Podcast, hit subscribe so that you never miss when an episode drops. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and review. We're sending you a long distance cheers because you just finished another episode of Teak Talk. If you loved what you heard, hit subscribe and head over to the show notes for any resources and a summary of this episode. In the meantime, if you want more access to us, we are personally inviting you to join our Niche by Teak community where we host live events, answer your questions, share destination masterclasses, and give you a front row seat to all the resources that we launch throughout the year. Plus, what's better than being surrounded by like-minded advisors that are hyping you up to succeed each day? We think nothing. Head over to www.teakhq.com backslash niche to join the community today.